We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's, it's a real tough division, and the entire National League is, is going to be quite a test this year. It's just the way the talent is distributed between the leagues this year, and I think that's a good thing. It, it reinforces that message we talked about earlier about having to show up every single day. You can't take a game or a series off. If, you, if you're up against an opponent, maybe you should, on paper, beat. You should try to sweep them because uh, your division opponents might be sweeping these teams as well. And that was the voice of Cubs president, Theo Epstein. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster along with Bruce Levine. We're going to keep you company here on Inside the Clubhouse up until 11 o'clock. Our number is always 312-644-6767. You can text us at 67011. And, Bruce, before anything else... Let's be uh, generous right now. Let's give away a couple of tickets to the White Sox home opener that's coming up on Thursday, April the 4th. Hopefully the weather will improve. I mean, I just took a look at the weather in Kansas City. They're playing there this afternoon. It looks miserable there. And that's just the uh, problem with playing so early in the season. baseball is very best. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Caller number six to our contest line. 312-591-6700, 312-591-6700. 312-591-6700, 312-591-6700. Caller number six will win a couple of tickets to the White Sox home opener on April the 4th. And uh, if everything works out, you'll be able to pitch the second game of the uh, season. Yeah. <laughs> or third. Okay. It's either you or Giolito. Yeah. Um, hey, let's talk about some of the happenings. Again, we're only two games into the season already, but take a look at what's going on up in Milwaukee. I mean, their bullpen, which was their strong point last season, has been really, I guess the word is depleted, to be yeah. honest with you. Uh, it's really interesting because Jeremy Jeffries has got the shoulder injury. I'm not really sure when he's coming back, but we already know that Corey Knable is gone for the season. Right. So that bullpen, which was their strong point last year, has been flipped upside down. Right now, Josh Hader is your closer, but they don't like using him in that capacity because they think he's more valuable two or three innings you know, in the middle or later in the game. Does that force them, Bruce, to go out and sign Craig Kimbrell, who they were talking about uh, talking with anyway? Well, they, you know, they've been talking about it. You know, it's been between them and Atlanta. You know, certainly everybody's pointed to the Cubs with the problems that Morrow's had and Strobe had a, a hamstring injury at the end of uh, spring training that he's back from. You know, a lot of teams could use Kimbrell at his best, but from from all indications, people I talk to, people don't think Kimbrell's at his best anymore. He had a very poor playoff season uh, last year, bad in the World Series. Um, the story going around about him is that he's uncooperative and that he doesn't want to pitch anything but the ninth inning, doesn't want to come in in anything but a save situation, uh, has told people that he won't pitch more than one inning. So uh, all that and the fact that he started at $100 million that he was asking for for six years. And now, you know, think about this, David. You bring him in and you offer him a one-year deal at $13 million, okay, and he takes it. Are you getting a guy that's going to give you everything he has or is it a guy that's going to be a free agent again 
and is disgruntled by the whole situation of not signing four or five or six year deal. And uh, you got a, a guy that's going to be walking around your clubhouse in a bad mood all the time, looking toward 2020 to get all of his money again. This is, it's not just about what Ken, uh, Kimbrell has as far as his arsenal goes and what he can do to help you win a game at the end. There's all these other variables that you have to look at, including putting out 13 to $15 million for one of the top uh, named guys in the game. Well, first of all, I'm not the agent for Craig Kimbrell, and I don't work for the Milwaukee Brewers organization. But right now, considering the circumstances, um, it almost seems like it's a union that almost has to happen. From their standpoint, they got to fortify their bullpen, which, again, was their strong point, and Craig Consul right. used it really well last year. From his standpoint, he's got to sign with somebody at some juncture to at least show the rest of the major leagues that you know he might merit a further contract right. after this upcoming season. So, again, I don't really care what the Brewers really do, but from a baseball-sound standpoint, it seems like it's a union-made to happen. The Brewers already also moved two of their bullpen arms into the rotation, mm-hmm. and they're both uh, uh, projected to do pretty well. But that's just a, it's a different makeup of the team. They realized that they couldn't repeat winning like they did last year by using the bullpen as much as they did. They're smart baseball people over there, Stearns, general manager, council. They know they, they were doing what they, they could to win last year, and they did. Uh, but they know that that's not sustainable for a long period of time going to the bullpen in the fourth and fifth inning or, you know, uh, just using hater, you know, 75 times a year every year. That, it's just it's not going to hold up. Uh, no, no pitcher is going to be able to do that. All right. Well, we'll see what happens as far as the the Brewers and and maybe Craig Kimbrell, you know, going forward happens up there. What I've also noticed, and again, we're only two games into the season. Charlie Morton last night with a nice pitching victory for Tampa Bay. Here's a team that has a couple of studs, and I like Morton. I, I think he's a really good pitcher. They also, of course, have Blake Snell, who was a Cy Young last year. You know, that's a really tough division. Obviously, the American League East, but I I think Tampa Bay might surprise some people who's not going to surprise people unless they win more than 40 or 50 games. I saw that Baltimore is right now predicted maybe to challenge the all-time Mets record of most losses in a season. Uh, not a really good – I mean, yes, congratulations to the manager there for getting his first job, but it might be a long, long year in Baltimore. Yeah, you know, they, they lost 115 last year, which is – you know, it's up there. They challenged, you know, for the 120 losses that the Mets had in – uh, 62, but uh, you know, in, in reality, um, you know that uh, you know you talk about Tampa. They won 90 games last year in a division where two teams won over 100. Mm-hmm. So the disparity in the American League is huge as far as the haves and the have-nots. There's last year there was about six good teams. Everybody else was tanking. It's, it remains to be seen if it's going to be any different this year. Certainly, the White Sox want to take a step up. Or they're hoping to improve. There's a few other teams that are hoping to improve this year. I don't think Kansas City and Detroit are expecting to be better teams this year. They're still in their rebuild mode. So it's going to be interesting to watch the American League evolve. In the National League, it's the total opposite. There's Out of the 15 teams, there's probably 12 teams 
that feel they're competitive to win or at least go to the playoffs. Bruce, we're getting way out on our skis here right now, but I'm going to throw this out. Maybe we'll even ask Rick Hahn when we have him on after the bottom of the hour. You know, right now, obviously, we're seeing Jimenez. He's up here. Congrats to him. And hopefully, you know, he, he's got to learn how to hit that slider. I think that's the the very first thing that you noticed the other day. He's going to get a steady diet of sliders, um, and, and I'm sure he will adjust to that. But they have a lot of other kids that you saw out in spring training. Luis Robert being one. Madrigal being another. Dylan Cease being a third. Do you think we'll see any of these guys, probably Cease more than than the other two, do you think we'll see any of the other young kids come up at any juncture this season? Well, I, I think Madrigal, if if he has the type of year they they feel they think he's going to have and he, and he moves up in the uh, minor league system, I, I think they believe – he could be there as early as August or September. They're not gonna, they're not gonna worry about his uh, his time as far as uh, watching to make sure they get the extra year out of him. Uh, they feel he's a number two hitter of the future, that he's their second baseman of the future. So they have high hopes for him. Cease, um, it's a matter of innings, David. Uh, the most innings he was signed in 2014. The most innings he ever had was last year when he threw 124. They want to be careful about him because he's been injury prone, but he had a injury free season last year. He was the minor league pitcher of the year, not for the White Sox, but for the entire major minor league baseball. And he is someone that has an electric arm, 98 miles an hour, three other pitches that he can throw for strikes. So his ascension, I think depending on how they manage his innings, should be sometime in August or September. Uh, that they, they won't wait with him either. Uh, Luis Robert, I, I project him as a, a a full year in the minor leagues, and maybe he'll be battling for a position in spring training next year. But uh, I think he needs a full, healthy year in the minor leagues to uh, dominate the way the White Sox front office wants him to, and then uh, be ready and fresh for 2020. All right. I am excited about the White Sox future. Again, we're going to talk to Rick Hahn at the bottom of the hour, not only with their pitching staff, but they, they seem to have a, a plethora of uh, outstanding outfield prospects. Uh, Jimenez looks like he's going to be manning left field for a long time. Robert is going to be somewhere. They talk about him center, maybe right field. I don't know if he's got the arm for right field. They have a couple of other kids in the minor league system who could be their center fielders also. Uh, Luis Basabe being one, Blank Rutherford, I think, can play center field as well. And maybe one of these two is actually even more of a leadoff hitter, which is what I right. like personally. I mean, how do you see all these guys in the long run? There's a lot There's a lot of minor, minor league outfielders, like you said, that will make it at some point. Uh, you know, certainly the uh, success of Jimenez will make it easier for some of these other guys to come up. But right now, when you look at, with all due respect, you know, Polk had 27 homers last year. He's going to be in the outfield. Angle is a gold glove caliber center fielder who doesn't have the um, OPS to really stay there unless he picks it up greatly this year. So these guys are just babysitting those positions for these other guys coming along. And eventually they will come along. Uh, hopefully out of the four or five guys you name, you hope a couple of them make it to the big leagues uh, and are impactful. Uh, you know, making it to the big leagues, to me, is not as big a deal as it used to be because guys are promoted when they don't dominate in the minor leagues. It used to be that you had to be in the upper echelon and dominate minor leagues to come up. Uh, these days, it's a product of 
hey, we, we think he has great talent. Maybe he hasn't dominated net yet, but let's have the, the rest of the player development at the major league level. And teams that are tanking can afford to have that attitude. And I'm not saying the Sox are tanking any longer, but they were. And you can develop players at the big league level because uh, you're not expected to win. You're not expected to compete for a championship. I think the White Sox are on the cusp of feeling that they're getting close. Uh, maybe not this year, but 2020 for sure. All right, Micah Adolfo is another outfield right. prospect that we can talk about. We're going to take a break here in a second. When we come back, I want to ask you about Zach Birdie, who I thought would have been up at the major league level already. Unfortunately, he had, I think he had Tommy John surgery as well, did right. he not? You know, and, and I'm wondering about his progress. We're going to take a quick break. We still have two more tickets to give away to the White Sox home opener. We'll do that before we get out of here. We also have Rick Hahn coming up at the bottom of the hour. He's Bruce. I'm David. We'll be back right after this. 1021, welcome back into Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster along with Bruce Levine. We'll keep you company up until 11 o'clock this morning. That's when Steve Rosenblum comes with his... As always, Saturday Suckage, I'll be joining him for that show as well. we got Rick Hahn coming up in about eight and a half minutes right here on Inside the Clubhouse. And, Bruce, as always, our texters come through. I wanted to know what's going on with Zach Birdie. And you, of course, also saw him out in uh, out in uh, Arizona. Apparently, he's in extended spring training and should be reporting to Charlotte. And knock on wood, it's been almost a couple of years now since that yeah, surgery. Yeah, it was 2017. So hopefully he comes back healthy. He's a Chicago kid. He's a really nice kid. And I, I keep using the word kid. I shouldn't do that anymore. He's a young man. Yeah, 20, and, uh, 23. Yeah, and and hopefully he will. I thought right. he would have been in the White Sox bullpen minus that uh, surgery. I thought he would right. be in the White Sox bullpen last year. Not quite ready. Uh, uh, Berger, their third baseman who they drafted a few years ago, uh, still in uh, rehabilitation mode as well. So White Sox have dealt with some uh, injuries, you know, of course, with with Dunning and uh, Kopech. You know, again, it's, it's part of the part of the deal. You know, they're they're not all going to stay healthy. They're not all going to be great. But if you have a, a, enough of them, if you have 30 of them, you know, at some point your your team's going to get better and you're going to be able to build around them. 100%. All right, 312-644-6767 is our phone number here for Inside the Clubhouse. Again, Rick Hahn coming up in about seven and a half minutes. But right now let's go out to the phone lines, pick it up with Mike calling in from Lincolnwood. Go ahead, yeah, Mike, you're on the score. Yeah, yeah, give me about a minute here because I need to read something to you. And uh, proving what was talking about with with Rizzo and Abreu, I think Rizzo's an outstanding player, but Abreu gets shortchanged, and I'll tell you why. You've heard of baseball reference. They're a pretty reputable. They give you 162-game average statistics. Just listen to this. Jose Abreu, home runs 32, Rizzo 29. Jose Abreu, RBIs 106, Rizzo 97. Jose Abreu, OPS 868, Rizzo 854. This guy called earlier and said you can't even you can't even talk about the two in the same breath. I think that's wrong. I think that Rizzo and Jose Abreu are both great players, and I don't think that one is – offensively any better than the other. Just want to hear what your comments are. Yeah, appreciate it, Mike. Go ahead, David. You can start on that one. All right, I'll start off by just simply saying they are both great ball players, and they're both very integral for each team. Um, one hits from the left side, one hits from the right side. It, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with their right. future with both teams. But I, I you know what? When, they're when both it, really good ball players. One, one area they're not close is on defense. That is correct. Anthony right. Rizzo is a, a much Abreu better defender. Abreu is an improved defender over the last year. Uh, they, he was challenged by Ricky Renneria about a year ago saying, you know, uh, we think you're going to make a great DH. And he said, what are you talking about? <laughs> He said, well, by the way, you're playing for a space right now. We feel you're going to be our, the 
best DH that we can have. And and he took that challenge very seriously and became a better first baseman through hard work. But Rizzo is among the elite uh, defenders in the game at first base. So uh, it, there's a difference there. As far as I'll give Abreu this as well. Um, Rizzo has played in a lot better lineups. Uh, Abreu is pitched around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So I think Abreu can be more impactful in better lineups. Maybe it's the White Sox lineup this year where he's more impactful because uh, he can't be pitched around as much when they have, you know, different guys like uh, Alfonso and, and uh, or rather Alonzo and, uh, and uh, Jimenez and, you know, some other hitters in there with Jay when he gets healthy. So I, I think what the caller is saying is certainly on the offensive end of, of, uh, of yeah, side yeah. that there are pretty comparable kind of players, and I wouldn't disagree with that. I'll tell you another area where they're also the same, Bruce, and you know this as well as anybody. They both have great presences in the clubhouse. Anthony Rizzo, obviously, right. is, is the number one guy in the Cubs clubhouse, and they all look up to him. But Jose Abreu, especially with the Latin ball players, they all look up to him, yeah. and so so do uh, the I, other players. I, th- I think even the other ones, even more so now. You know, it's not just the Latin influence. He's he's been there. He's been consistent. Uh, he's been a, a consistent guy as far as a leader and a person. Um, you know, again, uh, will the White Sox sign him to a couple year extension, or will Abreu say, you know what, I only have maybe four or five years left. Uh, I need to get a longer-term contract because I I don't think the White Sox are going to be handing out a four- or five-year deal to a 33-year-old player. I just don't think that fits, but I know they, they're they probably contemplating an extension of some sort, so we'll see how it shakes out. But uh, you can't go wrong with either player. They're they're different players to me, you know. Uh, Abreu is more of an American League player. Without the DH, uh, you would, he'd be a hard guy to project from now on. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how Ricky Renteria divvies up the playing time between DH and first base for both Alonzo and Abreu here. Um, you know, you talk about pressures on managers. That is one of the pressures. All right, let's take a quick break here right now, Bruce. When we come back, we have White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. We've got a lot of interesting stuff to ask and talk to him about. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. He's Bruce. I'm David. We'll be back right after this. Challah, rye bread, bagels, and bialis, all made daily, are Max and Benny's traditions. Hey, meet me and Lonnie at the corner of Sugar Cookie Lane and Mondo Bread Drive for the best cookies and sweets in Chicagoland. What are you waiting for? Meet me at Max and Benny's in Northbrook today. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Only Max and Benny's, where the corned beef sandwiches are piled as high as a Chicago skyscraper. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Anderson to left field. That's a base hit. The rally continues. Jimenez comes home. 5 to 3 here in the ninth. 1031, welcome back into Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster. He's Bruce Levine, and that's a highlight courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. Tim Anderson with the RBI single in the ninth inning. And Bruce, right now, speaking of the White Sox, we have a special guest. You'll do the intro. We are pleased to have the executive vice president and general manager of the Chicago White Sox, Rick Hahn, join us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure as always, and thanks for taking some time out on a Saturday morning for us. When you look at your team out of spring training and you're starting pitching, what are the thoughts that you have? What are your objectives? What are your uh, positives going into this season? You know, we we finished. 
finished the spring strong. We were playing good balls. We left Arizona. Obviously, it took us uh, eight innings to really start cooking on in Kansas City on on uh, Thursday. But the team, uh, when we departed on the plane for Kansas City, we were feeling pretty good about where things sat, both with the the pitching staff and the position players. I suppose specifically with the starters, uh, you know, we view this as an important year to take a step forward for the, for the three younger guys, uh, Rodon, uh, Lucas Giolito, and Lopez. Uh, you saw, uh, knock on wood, what looks to be a, a fully healthy Carlos Rodon have a uh, unrestricted offseason and unrestricted spring. And uh, that's put him in a spot both physically and mentally to show what he's capable of doing in terms of fulfilling that potential uh, towards the front end of the rotation upside. So uh, I think Carlos is excited for the year. We're certainly excited for the year to, to see uh, him take that next step in his development now that the health issues uh, should all be behind him. Uh, Giolito, if you got a chance to see him over the course of the spring, he came in with a slight mechanical adjustment in terms of his arm swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems to have taken to that very well. Uh, the ball out of his hand looks very good, and the command of the offseason pitches has uh, improved as well so he too seems poised to again take that next step Lopi finished the year strong last year and we're just hoping for him to, to continue to build off of what we saw in the second half White Sox general manager Rick Hahn is joining us on the El Pamonte Ford hotline El Pamonte Ford 500 new and used vehicles to choose from Rick when you guys left Arizona the weather was perfect <laughs> unfortunately the weather is not so perfect in Kansas City and it's just that time of the season you know there's been some conversation with the early start this year that you know this happens every year on um, this is an old story the, the does the baseball season start too early as as an executive in major league baseball what are your views on that is there any solution or is that just the way it is you know i'm afraid it's a bit of a balancing act uh, it, things are starting earlier in the last couple of years uh, and that's a, a byproduct of the fact that uh, for uh, off days were added over the course of the summer. Off days, I think, are, are essential and, and uh, strong positives in terms of helping to keep players healthy and properly rested. But it comes at a cost. You either got to push things back uh, a few days on the back end and have the World Series potentially played in, in November or in you know un, uh, in climate conditions, or you got to move things up a little bit, which is what they've what they've done. Uh, you know, over over the years, we've we've all seen some some difficult you know. Well, now March and April starts to the season. It's really a, a little bit luck of the draw, and, and uh, you know, it certainly. I think we had better weather here in Chicago on on Thursday than we were we were dealing with in Kansas City. But that's just uh, a little bit of luck of the draw. So it, it's not ideal. Obviously, you don't want to miss uh, too many games early in the season and potentially fall out of the rhythm that you created in spring. At the same time, the the benefit of, of those extra off days is, is real, and we feel it over the course of the summer. Rick, uh, you know, it certainly appears that uh, you as a front office uh, boss and uh, Kenny and, and Jerry are looking at a season that should be pivotal as far as winning goes. And by that, I mean, I don't expect you guys to win 90 games, but the way that you went about and you rebuilt your um, bullpen is a sign to me that you expect your young pitchers to uh, be in a position to win games, and now you want to help them try to complete that. Uh, would, would you say, you know, adding Colome and Herrera and, and Jones being back there as well is a sign that uh, you expect the same thing from the White Sox back in, you know, 
an improvement of 10, 12, 15 ball games. You know, I don't want to put a, a number on it, but I do think we are, we're poised to take that step forward. And, and you've heard me talk about this a little bit over the course of the offseason. Uh, it, it's sort of two separate issues, the first being uh, wanting to see a, a progression in the wins and losses. That's, that's the competitive side of all of us. That's the fan side in all of us. Uh, that's, you know, as someone who, who watches every game, you obviously feel those losses. And even though they're an understandable byproduct of where we are in the early, in, where we were in the early stages of the rebuild, it's still difficult. And you want to see more wins. It's, it's just a natural uh, competitive desire. The second part, though, is sort of how we get to those wins. Uh, we certainly feel like we've improved the bullpen, which should help. Uh, bringing in some of the veterans that we brought in, like Yonder Alonso, uh, John Jay, once he's healthy, will think will help solidify uh, portions of the lineup and, and you know help make us better and improve that win total. At the same time, it, it, as we look back at this season, you know, six, seven months from now, I think what we really need to see is the is the step forward from the young guys. That's the part that's going to be uh, you know most indicative of us being on path uh, for improvement in this rebuild and, and taking that next step as we transition from a, a, a younger uh, you know, rebuilding club to one that's you know, in a position to contend for championships. So when we look back at the end of the year, the win total, regardless of what it is, we're going to have to unpack it a little bit to see, you know, was it on the backs, these wins on the backs of the young starters taking a step forward, mm-hmm. uh, contributions from you know, guys like Moncada, TA, Eloy, et cetera. Uh, or was it more the byproduct of the you know veterans that we brought in, uh, helping to solidify things? Those are those put you in a different position at the end of the year. Ideally, we get contributions from everybody, and we feel good not just about the summer of 2019, but we feel very good about where the where the rebuilds at and heading into the next off season and the 2020 season, ready to start making some noise. Hey, Rick, every general manager, yourself included, has a balancing act, of course, of keeping up with not only the major league level, but certainly the kids that will be in the system that will come up, like you said, in 2020 and going on forward. You have such an influx of potential kids that can help, and I hate to use the word kids again, but uh, young men who can help the team going forward, and especially in the outfield position. I mean, he, uh, Eloy is up here right now. You have Luis Robert. You have Luis Basabe. You have Micah Rodolfo. You have Blake Rutherford. I'm just curious, when you um, put them at whatever major league level they're all going to be at, do you sort of like think ahead where they could potentially help you at the major league level, meaning like in what outfield spot or in what batting order position? is? Are you almost positioning themselves at the minor league level for how they could help you down the road at the major league level? Certainly to an extent. Certainly from the standpoint of trying to get them to play the game a certain way, the way that Ricky wants at the, at the major league level and that Chris gets and his coaches throughout the minor league level you know, continues to indoctrinate these young kids with. We do try to move guys around a little bit to continue to preserve flexibility because inevitably you aren't going to be real sure about what the needs are at the big league levels a year, two years from now until you actually get to that point. So we don't want to limit a guy who, let's say, is is capable of playing center field, but we potentially project to be a corner uh, because of other center fielders in the system. You still want that guy to have the flexibility because you never know uh, if, if you might need him in center. Uh, we know we did have uh, a number of conversations. Uh, Getty, Kenny, uh, I think Tommy was part of some of them during during spring training games, uh, where we took guys. You know, not necessarily uh, even the Luis Roberts and Mike Rodolfo's that you mentioned, but guys like 
Steel Walker and Luis Gonzalez and uh, perhaps some lesser known of our of our outfield talents that we are very high on and tried to sort of put them in order with the Basabis and Rutherfords of the world. And, and uh, because we're still, you know, they're still at double A or in, in Steele's case, A ball, there's still some development there. So we had some differing opinions about what a year from now was going to look like in terms of our own internal pref- pref list of, of, of our own prospects. So it's an exciting time to see all these young guys, and we're still learning about them. And, and a year from now, we very likely have a, a firmer sense about which ones are going to fit in how uh, on you know the next championship club here. As far as player development goes with Jimenez, should we expect to see him in every game, or is there a part of the player development that you want to see continue to take place at the major league level where he gets to watch a game and he gets to see the action and he gets a day off just to understand where he's at and what he's uh, what he's uh, asked to do on a daily basis. Just a, a timeout for a guy that the expectations are so high for. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and not only do we expect there to continue to be development at, at the big league level for this kid, but you're right that part of it is going to be uh, taking a day here now and again to you know sit down next to Ricky or sit down next to one of the coaches and, and just sort of see the game from that perspective and understand how the opposition is attacking our guys and how they could potentially attack him. I mean, obviously you saw on, on Thursday – uh, he got a steady, steady diet of sliders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was a little, little, little amped up as one would expect in his major league debut. But after the game, you heard him with a, a very reasoned explanation of how he was getting attacked and, and how he needs to adjust. So, a lot of that is going to happen in game, but there, there certainly will be instances where uh, you know he's going to be watching to to sort of get that portion of his baseball education uh, from from a different perspective. And, and Rick, following up on that, uh, obviously you know him as well as anybody, and the fans will get to know him as time goes on. He knew uh, that you know after a while that he's going to get that steady diet of sliders, and he knows that he will have to adjust. Again, you've been around him. He seems to have had the aptitude to know what he has to work on, the adjustments that come with any young player in the major leagues. No, you're very yeah, – that, that's very fair. He He's – his baseball IQ, his, his understanding of his abilities and his understanding of, of what's going on on the field around him is, is very high. Uh, you know, he, he, they are going to test him at the big league level, and he, he knows that. Uh, he knows he's going to have to make certain adjustments, and, you know, he's got a little uh, work ahead of him as well at age 22 in his first full year of the, in the big leagues. But in terms of the, being equipped, in terms of having the equipment to – make those adjustments you know he's as strong as uh, any 22 year old rookie that we've seen around here in a while if i tell you that uh yon mancata gets 600 at bats and he strikes out 140 times what will you tell me those other numbers will look like well it's funny because obviously that's progress in the in the strikeout figures uh but frankly while i expect there to be progress in in the strikeout numbers just as part of his normal evolution and development mm-hmm. as a 23-year-old at the big league level. Uh, it's really those other numbers that we're going to be probably more focused on. Uh, you know, obviously, he's an extremely disciplined hitter. Uh, part of ke- cutting down on those strikeouts will be learning how to you know, channel that discipline perhaps a little more productively so that when he gets a pitch early in the count that mm-hmm. he can do damage on, 
uh, he does that damage instead of perhaps you know working to to layer in the count and even possibly getting you know called out on a borderline pitch. Uh, the skill set is is extremely impressive, and we're not even you know haven't even touched on yet his his transition to third base, right. which has gone uh, extremely smoothly. Uh, we're very we remain very excited about Johan's future, and, and again, while I expect the the strikeout number will very likely come down as part of his evolution as a player, uh, the ability to get on base, the ability to hit for power, uh, eventually hit for a for a solid high average. Uh, all those tools are still there, and, and we're excited to watch those uh, continue to, to come out. Rick, uh, just a quick one to end it up. Uh, 124 innings for Dylan Cease, top pitcher in the minor leagues uh, from all 30 clubs last year. Uh, how do you how do you expect to manage his innings so uh, it works out for him there and maybe for you guys down the road? You know, we're approaching it similarly to how we handled Giolito and Lopez two years ago and Michael Kopech last year. All three of those pitchers, and now Dylan, enter the year in the vicinity of 120, 130 innings as their max uh, previously in their career. Uh, We don't have a magic firm uh, strict innings limit, but it's something that we're going to monitor over the course of the season and and be mindful of the fact that it's unrealistic to expect a kid like that to all of a sudden throw you, you know, 190 innings or something like that. So we have a plan in place. Chris Getz and the and the minor league instructors have mapped out uh, the first couple months of the season about what we're expecting from him, uh, and we'll see where he is from a from a strength and fatigue and mechanical standpoint to, at that point, and adjust accordingly. Rick, uh, David, and I appreciate it. All the best of luck to you guys uh, going into the season here. Thanks again for joining us and inside the clubhouse. You bet. Thanks, guys. All right, Rick Hahn, the vice president, general manager of. Your Chicago White Sox here on Inside the Clubhouse and the score. Let's hope it's 80 degrees and sunny for the home opener for both Are teams. they opening up in Arizona? <laughs> no. It's, actually, the forecast is okay. not good for the White right. Sox opener. But you never know. It's Chicago, yeah. so you never know. Hey, Bruce, when we come back, um, we'll wrap up the show. It's yeah, we'll a have a few th- minutes left and uh, talk about uh, the games coming up here. 100%. All right, you're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. We'll be back right after this. 10.50, welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. couple more minutes. I'm David Schuster. He's Bruce Levine. And before anything else, let's be generous. Let's give away a couple of tickets to the White Sox home opener where hopefully it'll be 80 degrees and sunny. This is Chicago, though, so maybe not. But uh, 312-591-6700, caller number 6. 312-591-6700. Two tickets to the White Sox home opener against Seattle. That's coming up on Thursday, speaking of the White Sox, they're playing in Kansas City this afternoon. I'm very anxious to see Ronaldo Lopez, who, again, Rick Hahn talked about at times, Bruce, last season. He was really, really good. If he gets his control you know, in order, this guy can be a really good pitcher. Yeah, he could be their ace. Um, I mean, certainly they're expecting Rodon to be that. Giolito's the guy, you know, we didn't talk much with Rick. Rick t- touched on him a little bit. His stuff did improve. Uh, his velocity was better in spring training than it's been since he's with the Sox. Command was not there. He's given up tons of uh, home runs there. Hopefully he gets better command. But the uh, start of the year in baseball for me is tonight in uh, Texas where you Darvish has to go out and establish himself as the man who's worth $126 million and is – uh, completely healthy and ready to move on. We saw a different guy in spring training, David, guy that communicated well with his teammates, had fun with the, both the Japanese and the English-speaking media. Who uh, His English is 
It's really good. Very good. Yeah, really and good. And it gets nuances, understands, um, you know, the language and the way people think. But he's got to go out there and be healthy uh, with six starts, uh, with six innings tonight to start establishing himself. So it's going to be the game of the year for me for the Chicago Cubs. And that's why I said right at the top of the show when we were talking about most important players in order for the the teams, both the Cubs and the White Sox, to be successful, the Cubs to be a playoff team, the White Sox to be more respectable this season. I said for the Cubs, it's you, Darvish, because let's face it, you, Darvish, gave them one win last season because he was injured, and listen, Uh, the Cubs... Ineffective at the the first eight starts. Yeah, and that is correct as well. You know, and the Cubs just barely lost out to winning the division. Obviously, it came down to that one game. If he is healthy last season and gives you what they would have hoped for, I don't think there was any question the Cubs would have won that division running yeah, away. That, that would be a 100-win team. And he might be, again, I think they could win without him this year, but it would be a struggle. Uh, he is the separator. If he has a 15-win season, if he has a 180-inning season, uh, if he's you, Darvish, again, uh the Cubs could dominate that division. I know people don't like predicting that or projecting it, but nonetheless, David, um, he could be the, that difference maker. And, and the Cubs, by the way, they're starting off, their hitters should be very happy. They're starting off down in Texas. They're moving to Atlanta, where I'm sure the weather will be more than decent there as well. Then they're up in Milwaukee playing inside the Dome. Right. So the Cub hitters, they're not going to have to deal with the bad weather until yeah, they probably come home to yeah, Chicago. You're not going to have to hear that. I mean, Atlanta can be iffy this time of year. True. But um, nonetheless, um, it's a good point that you bring up. And again, uh, they were five and five last year, starting away from home to begin the season. They play nine this year. You know, hopefully six and three, something like that. You know, would be a nice number to have. Bruce, our special guest, uh, our special thanks rather to our guest Scott Harris, Cubs assistant general manager, and White Sox GM Rick Hahn. We also want to thank. Profusely, Eli Hershkovich, who was our producer and co-pilot. Bruce, I always thank you for allowing me to uh, sit in with you. My pleasure, David. It's always fun. Uh, People can follow me on Twitter at MLB. Bruce Levine, also on our website, 670thescore.com. I write Cubs and Sox almost every day on our site. You and Rosie have a good time coming up here. The one and only Steve Rosenblum coming up. I'll be sitting in with him up until 2 o'clock this afternoon. Cubs baseball on the score this evening. We'll be back with uh, Steve Rosenblum and Saturday Suckage coming up very shortly. Thanks for listening, everybody. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.